0: Hi there, and welcome back to the PTC Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by A Life of Education. Lifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness educational website, delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world. With talks and lectures in areas on nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development. Yoga and Pilates, strength and conditioning, the business of fitness, and uh, many more to be added in the future. Aloe's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. Uh, one of the lecturers featuring on the website is Dr. Emily Splickle from the US. She is a, a podiatrist, a kind of a floor to core expert is what she calls herself she's a her brand is sort of barefoot strong her talk is all about um getting strong through your core from the floor up so that means connecting the foot basically through the muscles the intrinsic muscles of the foot through the intrinsic muscles of the lower leg into the sort of hip and then the small Deep muscles that are based all around the hip joint, almost like a rotator cuff on the hip, um, and then how they work in sync to the abdominals. A really interesting uh, lecture. Um, will really tell you how to teach kind of people how to connect their basically how to connect their floor to how to connect their core to the floor. So this episode of the podcast today is with myself and Matt. He shows up a couple of minutes late. And we're with Anya Talyart, who is from South Africa. If uh, you don't know by how badly I've just pronounced her name. Um, We had a bit of trouble with her name just because we have it too easy as English speakers. Um, We don't have to make an effort with many people's names because we just don't. Um, But uh, Anya is a rehab specialist like myself, also based out of Dubai. We came across each other online and just started having conversations. And then it was pretty clear to me that she was pretty interesting, pretty well-educated, pretty much uh, top of her game. So it was good to have her on. It was very interesting for me and Matt. We had to cut it shorter than myself and Matt would have really liked it because we, um, I won't say stormy weather, but rainy weather caused havoc on the streets here. So uh, we had to delay this, the, the start of our um, our recording. So we talk about things like she touches on the work she's done with uh, recovering cancer patients, people suffering from cancer or battling cancer, rather. Um, she talks about her heart rate t- zone training, training for triathlon. She's training for, Af- for the World Championships next year. And uh, a bunch more things, just some rehab things that um, we won't bother going into now because we'll, we'll get on with it and you'll hear for yourself. Um, we hope you enjoyed this is myself, Matt, and Anya. Talyard, I think that's right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, it's myself and Anya, and I'm going to butcher her s- second name, Anya. We spoke about this before. Matt's not here, so this is just me for now. He's on his way in later. Matt Anya Taljard.
1: Taljard.
0: Taljard.
1: Almost. <laughs>
0: uh, Anya Taljard.
1: Taljard.
0: Yes. Okay. There we go. So I think it's important <laughs> to get people's names right. Like if, if if someone came up to me, and was just like if I said I'm Keith, and they say Hi, Kevin. Like, it's no, horrible. that's not no. my name. You can't, just, you can't just make up a sound f- for me because you can't move your tongue properly. So, this is Anya Taljard.
1: <laughs> Taljard.
0: Taljard? Yes, there we go. Okay, got it. Moving on. Do you want to just introduce yourself and tell people where you're from? Where do you get that name from? And uh, wh- how you got yourself to Dubai and kind what of your, what your education and your background is.
1: Okay, so um, I come from South Africa. I am um, 25 years old I got, recently got married And I moved to Dubai because of my husband My husband got a job in Dubai um, My background is in sports rehab So basically I did um, my first degree in human movement science And then my second, my B.C. honours degree in sports Here's Matt, sports here. sorry rehab.
0: to interrupt you, here's Matt hey. He's just come in, he's stuck in traffic Matt, say hello, hello. What's that? Um, <laughs> what's that here? Okay, this is Anya. Hi. This is Anya Talyard.
1: Hey, try it.
0: Try to say that. Ta- say it again. No, you say it.
1: Talyard. 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 <laughs> Why is it so difficult? Talyard.
0: Because we're it's not... Like English. Because we're Irish European. Tongue. Yeah, we're retards. <laughs> okay, so... You recently moved over here. She got married...
1: Um, studied human movement science and then did my, um, my honors degree in sports rehab, but it's called biokinetics, or I am a biokineticist. So right. basically, what we do is orthopedic rehabilitation is the one part, and the second part is basically clinical um, physiology. So we applied exercise physiology, basically. Um, so, yeah, I'd do anything from muscle, um, bone injuries, um, ligaments, tendons, but then also the clinical side of things. Um, people that has cancer and um, is undergoing chemotherapy, like how can exercise make that better for them? Or if you've got a cardiac condition, how can exercise improve your cardiac condition? So um, that's the two aspects of, of my job.
2: Sweet. And uh, so going on to the, the cancer stuff, just because we had a lady on before who was – she was kind of into kind of exercise and cancer treatment and stuff but we didn't really get a chance we ran out of time before we really got into it so yeah. like what's the the general or sort of current thinking about exercise while having cancer at the same time
1: um it's it's very tough and it it, it really depends on on the day and on the person training, but it is so good for for them for their mood. Uh, it also depends on the type of treatment that they have. So someone that has chemo, for instance, it's a bit difficult, more difficult to train, but they, like they honestly do feel better. I had a client that that was training with me with chemotherapy, and they feel massively better after the sessions. Just everything, their mood is better. They don't have the nausea. They have headaches are gone. So um, it does depend from person to person because it it is quite tough being in that stage already, being sick already and then to drag yourself to go to exercise can be quite tough but it does make them feel better.
2: I had a client, yeah, he had prostate cancer and we didn't really train at the time. His general prescription was just to do aerobic exercise but I did remember thinking about what I would do because it's a tough one because there's a lot of cancers that like particularly if it's like tumors and stuff that will grow in response to things like IGF-1 and growth hormone release, particularly excessive and so you think if you're going to be doing, like, lifting weights and stuff like that, man, I'd be terrified, like, you yeah. know. Um, is, is there any sort of research on that? Like, is, or do you know? Like,
1: to, to be honest, I don't know the exact research on yeah. when, when to lift, how, what is the percentage of...
2: I don't think there's a lot out yeah.
1: there. I don't even think there is, yeah, I many studies on that. Um, we basically just. How do, do you really study
0: that? that? Because if you find, oh, yeah, it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, like back yeah. Up, yeah, back up. Yeah, that's not up. good for you. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Um, thanks for coming. Yeah, exactly. sorry, you're not going to die. In sorry, the next but your two weeks cancer is. We've, we've made it faster. Um, mm.
1: So it's a very touch and go ty- um, type of thing as well. So they would come in, you would, uh, you would see how they feel that day. One, uh, like. Um, my patient her legs was cramping the whole time right um and then we would just do some upper body mobility and try and do some upper upper body strength other day she was absolutely fine no cramps in her leg, legs and we could do some machine work we could do some you know the typical clams and stuff it's just basically to get them get them moving get them active a bit and get their heart rate rate up just even a little bit
2: yeah and i guess the endorphin release and just the mood exactly. changes are probably the biggest uh, effect as well exactly yeah so how many people have you worked with with cancer like have you is that like a significant part of what you do
1: no not really um i've only had one client with cancer a lot of people with cardiac conditions yeah i sure. recently had one with a pacemaker what an interesting guy he was um special ex- special forces from egypt um got shot in his heart and pacemaker keeping him alive shit you got um, shot in his heart yeah wow so 100 percent, the pacemaker is keeping him alive um poor guy it, it was a struggle to train him because he didn't know anything about his pacemaker yeah um he didn't know anything so it was quite a struggle to train so what him. what do you
0: do with in that instance what do you do with that guy how do you approach it like what i wouldn't know what to do like so you okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you okay? It, it was
1: very tough because he, um, because he didn't know, like on a pacemaker, there's four codes and you have to know the code in order to know where the, um, where the pacemaker is at, what, it, what, does it te- what does it taste and what is the response that it's going to give. So he didn't know any of that. So I, I got into contact with this cardiologist, which the language barrier was also quite tough. He did not understand what I was asking um at the end of the day we did about two to three weeks of exercise and he felt absolutely amazing while he was training but um he would have cardiac signs while he was training like he would constantly tell me my left side side is so much weaker than my right or my left side is is burning a little bit after training and <laughs> Jeez. I yeah. just think, oh, shit!" <laughs> get out get out get out yeah um anyway so i told him let's not let's not train let's go back to a cardiologist because uh, he also didn't have an ECG recently so we, um, w- he went back for ECG and then his cardiologist actually told me that he's been screwing up badly he was supposed to calibrate his pacemaker every six months he hasn't done it for two years oh, God. so for two years his heart has been beating on the same pace and um, he didn't take the mess that he was supposed to take so it was just a mess
2: people are awful at self-medication and self-care oh, you know? and
1: it's a bit, I find it more in Dubai yeah, people are worse in Dubai.
2: Right.
0: G- going back to the thing, he hadn't calibrated his pacemaker in two years. So, does that mean that if he's able to work at a certain pace or effort two years ago, and he gets fitter, like what would it look? Di- how would it look differently if he's going to recalibrate it?
1: Um, yeah. So basically, say his um, his maximum heart rate, his pacemaker is set at. One hundred and forty beats per per minute, then I would train him um, ten beats per minute less or a little bit more than ten beats per minute less, but as he gets stronger as his cardiac output get, gets a little bit better, they can increase that maximum heart rate they can increase the um, the response to training as well because the the pacemaker can respond to um, if you accelerate or decelerate to body temperature stuff like that, okay. so it depends on on each individual and then according to that if you you have a higher um, um, deceleration acceleration then according to that they can adapt the pacemaker so it's technology is quite cool nowadays yeah for sure yeah but
2: that uh, like so did he have like a chunk of his heart missing yeah do you yeah. know which part
1: um right ventricle right okay right atrium
2: yeah so I suppose yeah pacemaker or not like his ability to just yes. get blood around the body yes. is gonna be the seriously compromised right yeah yeah that's nuts um yeah interesting he must have like that is so close to death well yeah it's probably the second worst place to get shot right
0: well the worst place is like a, a, a bazillionth of a millimetre slightly more to the middle <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah but of all the <laughs> yeah, places to exactly. get shot
2: like brains is going to be the worst you know yeah. if you survive it then I mean you're probably just going to be a vegetable but yeah Yeah,
1: uh, shame. was right. a few interesting things. that cases. was
2: here Dubai was it
0: that was here in Dubai where yeah. are you working now you're up at Smart Fitness.
1: Yeah, so at the moment I'm currently working at Smart Fitness. Um, also, triathlete trying to become semi-pro, maybe pro, even in the next two years. So yeah, all, all your yeah. champs, champs
2: next year, it's key to say.
1: Yeah, that's a goal I want to try. So our what, what are you
2: doing now? that's so how uh, how close are you to that? 80 lengths in the pool this morning. <laughs> oh, really? That's what you told me before the podcast. Um,
1: 80 lengths. So uh, actually, the people in our team is flying down to Eton this weekend. They are competing to qualify for team gb okay um so their qualifyings are is now but um i missed south african qualifiers in south africa unfortunately for this year so uh, for next year so i can only qualify next year for the end of next year's world champs um did yeah, you I'm miss
0: happy. the well, what did you miss the time or did you miss the event
1: i missed the, I missed the event so uh, I'm, I'm quite new to triathlon so I, I thought the goal was this year just to relax just to compete a few competitions and not really think of anything else and then we realized that uh, there's actually a chance to to do more and then by the time that we decided i i, I need to compete to qualify right. it was too late
0: so you would be aiming to compete for south africa yeah. in 2019
1: yes that's the goal
0: cool and how far away from you are how far away from that are you to achieve it
1: um, it's it's difficult. I can't really say. I don't even know my competition in South Africa because I haven't competed against anyone there. Um, but my my times look good. Yeah. I I feel quite good. I I think if I put in a bit a bit more training, a bit more effort. A bit more training. The, you did 80 lengths this morning, <laughs>
0: four kilometers. Something. How many tiles are in that in that swimming pool?
1: <laughs> Twenty four point <laughs> five. <laughs> it's horrible oh
0: my god But
2: you've only just gotten into it um yeah so what were you doing a year and a half right okay Mm. and what were you doing before
1: um so i was a sprinter um so athletics 100 meter 200 meter and hurdles um so that was like i've done that my whole entire life i've done some swimming as well in the past but um yeah athletics was my thing and then coming over to dubai i decided i needed something new because i haven't done sprinting in about two years and then I decided to do triathlon.
2: Were you just sick of like anaerobic stuff and you're like, do you know what? I just need to go longer than 10 seconds. Yeah,
1: exactly. I just wanted to try something new as well. And I, I need a purpose to train and I feel everyone needs a purpose to train. So just going into the gym and just trying to lose weight killed my soul. Yeah. So, um, I needed, I needed a goal. I needed a competition. I needed a set program that I can work on. It's difficult because, um, people, we are trainers, but we also, we also need schedule. We also need routine. It's not just easy for us to go into the gym and just train. It's um, I need motivation as well, and just like everyone else. And that's why I decided I need a coach. I need someone to push me and
2: to yeah, set goals. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I always found it kind of a strange thing when people try and train themselves to a certain extent. Because you, you don't get it in many other fields. Like doctors won't necessarily treat themselves. And exactly. psychologists have to, as far as I'm aware, have to go and see other psychologists to exactly. keep themselves in check. So. It's kind of like the one field where you're just sort of left to your own devices or or at least people are, I guess, arrogant enough to think that they know best for themselves, which more often than not, they just don't.
1: Exactly. They, it's exactly. very difficult to be
2: objective. but yeah. So you have a full-on triathlon coach and you've got an S&C coach or are you just taking care of?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing the strength and conditioning you're part. You're coaching yourself? I'm coaching
2: oh, myself. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs> um,
1: and then I've got a triathlon coach. He's, um, he's a very, very good coach. He actually won world championships last year. Um, it's from Australia um yeah so
2: and what's the program looking like in the run up to next year's world champs so you when when's the when do you qualify or when do you have to qualify
1: um the qualifiers is in march around right. there um like for instance for people in the UK it's only now this yep. it's now this year and they can qualify for 2 years in advance where i can't so my qualifying's will be next year in march around there um and then I, I'm gonna try and do Ironman Dubai, um, seventy point three, okay. Um next year in January, and hopefully be able to qualify there for seventy point three.
2: Sure. So, what's, how's the training set up? Because it's uh, it's difficult with like multi discipline sports. Like, what do you pay most attention to? Like, do you swim a little bit every week, run a little bit every week, or cycle, or do you just double down on swimming? Or
1: uh, yeah, it's, it is quite tough. So, basically, um, if I can break it down, it's about three swim sessions a week three run sessions a week three bike sessions a week and then you also have a brick set which is run and cycle right so um yeah training hours at the moment is up to 14 um which is not a lot i think when it go when it gets closer to to competition time it will be a bit more yeah sure yeah so it's broken down into into running cycling and then brick sets
2: it's tough particularly trying to do a full-time job at the same time and look after clients and every other thing
1: exactly and it's it's long distance right so you have to you have to put in hours it's not like you can do a 30-minute run it has to be a three-hour cycle or a 21 kilometer run or it's it's distance like my friday mornings is um every single morning it it mainly consists of a 100k cycle and then two three four k five k runs even so it's it's It takes some time.
2: Yeah, for sure. And how many times a week are you in the gym?
1: Uh, Working or?
2: Well, training yourself. Training.
1: Uh, Three times only, um, which is a problem. I'm lacking in in strength training. And most long-distance athletes actually do lack in that. And I actually tell my clients that they need the strength and they need the stability. And it's lacking for myself as well. It's just when you do so many hours of endurance training and then work in a gym (laughs) the last thing you want to do is then pick up weights as well
2: yeah it's it's difficult to get it right in my experience people either do too much in the gym or they do too little it's rare to find somebody who's just kind of nailed it yeah um you always get the trainer who kind of goes too far the other way and they say no strength training is important therefore i'm going to do it four times a week and i'm going to start making allowances in my actual sports training to get that which like you know more often than not is kind of the mistake and then you get the trainer that's like, no, nah, I'm just going to run all the time. Exactly. I'm just going to swim all the time. So exactly. It's, yeah, it's rare to to manage all of that correctly, I think.
1: Everything is about balance in life, right? So you need a balance between everything. Your nutrition should be spot on as well because a lot of people tell me, yeah, you burn 5,000 calories a day. You can eat what you want. You can't. Like, no. <laughs> you can't. I sometimes do, but you can't. I don't have time. I'm <laughs> spending three hours yeah, running. Yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time to eat what yeah. I want.
2: Yeah, or they they sacrifice the short term improvements in performance for like exactly. the long term health. So they do like a Michael Phelps, like, well, I'm just going to eat pizza all the time. Yeah. it's like okay, it's going to get you through your sport, but all that inflammation and stuff is just going to yeah. build up over time. Hundred percent, you know. So, so go on then teach us what what are you eating at the moment? What do you want?
1: Oh, okay. Nutrition. I hate nutrition. So I do hate I. Food. It's um,
2: But everybody listens. It's That's always the main thing. Everybody, everybody yeah. hates it. it. Yeah, everyone
1: just wants to eat shit. And yeah. So it's, it's uh, difficult. In terms of um, in the mornings, um, when we train as a team, we start at 5 a.m. So that means I wake up at 4 a.m. So then to boil a pot of oats 4 a.m. in the morning is not great for me personally. So I would usually not eat before training, but then um, – Maybe during training, we try to every hour eat at least a goo bag and drink one bottle of water per hour. A goo bag? Yes, that goo energy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or any type of energy, I'd, I'd eat the goo bags. It's just convenient and easy. Um, so, that's basically me. During training would be um, one per hour, uh, one bottle of water, one goo bag. And then after training, I usually smash a big breakfast, but like egg, Benedict, and salmon, and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Um. It's, um, my eating is quite normal. I would have the normal salad for lunch with chicken, and for dinner we'll have a steak or chicken with salad or veggies. So it's very normal. I'm not very strict on I need to e- eat um, X amount of carbs, X amount of protein. I really listen to my body. So sometimes I can feel like I'm, I'm extremely tired and I know I need to up my nutrition. My nutrition wasn't good this week, but, and then sometimes I feel great while while training, before training after training so um i just listen to my body and according to that i just
2: yeah i mean that's the the benefit of having uh like a nutritionist or somebody just to make the diet plan for you because exactly. it's, it's the same as training like a lot of people either overcook it and they do something that's just not sustainable or they don't do enough but i mean i remember reading uh are you familiar with the physiologist steve ingham no so he used to be the the head of physiology for the english institute of sport and he's i, I think he's just off into the private sector now but he released a book. I think it was a couple of months back, where it's basically it was called "How to Support a Champion." And he's uh, he's got years of experience. Like he used to basically be the physiologist for the British Rowing Team. He used to work with like Steve Redgrave and some of these sort of big-time Brit Olympians. But he, when he kind of gave a semi breakdown on how he went about planning some of their nutrition stuff, like there were mathematical formulas and things like that. He was like adding yeah. up all of their potassium and sodium from all the different yeah. like minerals and like bits and bobs of food of what they're eating. And he had it so planned out that yeah. it was, there was like no room for error, you know? So, yeah, but man, unless you can, yeah, sustain that and do that just for yourself. It's tough.
1: That's my problem is the sustainability. Cause I've tried to like meal prep and I've gone through that whole week of eating clean and eating proper, exactly according to my macros. And then I hate it. I hate every second of it and yeah. then it, it, a week has gone by and then I just fall back into old, back re, old bad routines. So now I'm just having a normal normal life. Like if I want to have that chocolate or I want to have that ice cream, I do have it. But I then compensate by having not – don't have carbs at night, I'll eat normal salad or whatever the case. So it's just about balance. I think
0: as well you'll get your – response your feedback from how you do and the qualifications exactly like if you if you if you're way off the pace you go right where can i improve exactly here 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 or nutrition or over here or what exactly. maybe i have to cut down on work maybe i've got to do more in the gym and then it's start. you start to get a bit more data and you start to evolve your, your training program yeah. do you i want to ask you guys do nutrition in the biokinesis so in what was the university you studied in oh, university you
1: told me- of potterstrom potter
0: so. Pot of so, Pot in, so, so in Strum. South Africa, <laughs> <Strum>. <laughs> yes, yeah, in South Africa, where you studied, um, you do isn't it a year of physiology first, and then you do the biokineticist.
1: So it's a three-year degree um, with human movement science, and I did mine with physiology. You can either do it okay. with um, psychology or physiology. So I did my first degree of three years with physiology, and then this the fourth year is where were you where you're going to biochemistry? Bio-
0: yeah, because I, I lived and worked in the UK with a guy, actually with the military job, with a guy who was in Stellenbosch. Yeah. Um, now, what was really interesting about him was he was in, like, is it not primary care, but what's it called when you, when you like, he was in home care. Mm. So he used to help people. He lived with a guy for, like, nine months in a, in a wheelchair doing everything for him from, like, getting him out of bed to putting him back into bed at the end of the day. Um, that all was from his his university studies yeah you know so that so definitely that biokineticist course is a is a badass course from, from all he told me um, about the level that you need to achieve to get into it it's quite high isn't it it's like it a, is. Yeah. yeah you need
1: you, to have the practical hours beforehand you need yeah. to have a, a certain academic achievement to get there as well it is quite quite tough but it's ah, oh, it's, it's a great course to do it's a great degree to have yeah
0: it's one of those ones i think where it was kind of like my degree but not but yours seems way tougher the difficulty itself weeds out the people who are only there to half-ass it. Yeah. Do you know, like, our, our, our university lecturers stacked the first year with everything. Yeah. All the anatomy, all this, all that. So we were more full-time in our first year than we were in the rest of our yeah. years. Because they wanted to get rid of the people who were just, all right, if you're not into it, then just leave. Let's, mm. Don't bother wasting a year and a half. Just leave before Christmas. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's... So did you come straight to Dubai from... University, or did you? Were you somewhere else beforehand?
1: No. So I worked in a med clinic in Sandton in Johannesburg, um, where I was. I worked in a great practice there. We worked actually with one of the leading surgeons, um, hip and knee surgeons in the world, um, according to my knowledge. And um, so he, we worked a lot with hip replacement, knee replacement, ACLs. You know, the, the that he specialized in, in those. But then also we worked with two private schools with their rugby teams and their hockey teams. Um, So, yeah, I was in science and medical clinic for two years before we moved to Dubai.
0: What was your role there? What did you do?
1: Um, So, my first year was internship. So, um, part of being a kineticist you have to do two years internship. So, my first internship is while you do the degree. So, you have to do eight hours per week um, while you do your honors degree and then one year was internship, and then my second year was just working normally as a back in Santa Med Clinic. So doing all the orthopedic, we specialized in orthopedic re- rehabilitation. So it was mainly mainly in, injuries, injury prevention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: that's cool. What kind of stuff was going down in South Africa? Just general general stuff. or...?
1: a lot of like ACLs, especially because um, rugby is big in South Africa. Wow. So the boys was a lot of knee operations, shoulder operations. Um, yeah the same stuff is here it's also there's a lot of back problems as in Dubai as well people are sitting nowadays um, everyone has bad bad postures their glutes are inactive their cores are, core are inact- is inactive so it's um, it was the same problem for lower back but mainly n- knees, hips, shoulders
2: I had this conversation yesterday with a client where he's, he just couldn't get his head around when I was trying to put him into what I felt was like the correct posture somebody yeah. should have and he's like this is so unnatural yes. it's like but this is this can't be you never see anybody like that and I was like yeah and it's like that's the point it's we always say now like oh backs are kind of getting worse and stuff it's like there are I think a threshold has been reached where it's like that's just the way backs are now yeah. and now it's a kind of a case of okay now how do we get it back down to where backs are good again like yeah, we need exactly. to set the trend going the other way because man if I was in Barasti a, a few weeks back just chilling on the beach and you would be hard-pressed to find somebody who didn't have some sort of kyphosis going on. 100%.
1: Yeah. I couldn't
2: spot anybody. Yeah. You know? Or if they did have, it was because they were kind of typical bodybuilder, like arching mm. right the way back, yeah. in which case they just had this big lordosis thing going yeah. on. But.
1: And there's also another case that um, people are so easy, they're easy to go for an MRI, and everyone in the population has a slip disc and have yeah. degeneration, yeah. and it's difficult to sometimes tell those people that you should not only listen to an MRI saying that the 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 bulge in your disc or whatever is not necessarily leading to an operation at that stage. Sure. But people here just cut for any and everything. Yeah. So if you just have the slightest yeah. bulge or the slightest degeneration, you need a lumbar fusion. And that's the worst because then the problem starts.
2: Yeah. Or you get this, I've found recently with a couple of clients actually that their physio has told them to not move. it's like oh uh, yes, you're you're yes. in bad back. okay, rest for three weeks. R- yeah, like how how have you arrived at? Like that's just not even logical. Like the problem of not moving has caused this thing and so your treatment is the thing that caused it. Exactly. Like, Exactly. There's another level too. I have, a, I have a couple of clients in the past who they want the surgery, whether they need it or not, they
0: want it because they feel they will feel more confident in their back after the surgery. Yeah. So even though people are telling them, we don't really need to operate here, we yeah. can come fix this. they like, no, no, just operate, yeah. just get it done, snip, snip, let me in, get me out, and then I'll be yeah. fine.
1: That's the problem with the people nowadays. We're so used to having everything quickly. Yeah. Um, results are quick, delivery is quick, everything is just, it's quickly. So we go for quick fixes. And people think that our operation is a quick fix, which it's not.
2: Which is also a, again, we'd have to get too philosophical here, but like complete disconnection with your body and how it should feel and how it should like, you should, you should like intrinsically be aware that if somebody cuts you open with a knife, you're not going to be better off necessarily later on. Like now there's going to be a weakness of the tissue there. Do you know, bar obviously, you know, going down the route of uh, kind of crazy 3d printing muscles and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, as surgery stands at the moment uh and likewise you should almost be aware that I need to move you know like I feel tight I need to move like when we sit there and work on the desk you know I I, well I I think I have relatively good posture but the second I sit there for like an hour like I'm aching and my back's aching the next day and it's like okay I need to move now I need to get up but when you're just sitting there for 10 years you know in the same position for eight hours a day you've just lost all the sort of sensation of of what good posture feels like exactly
1: you know? we see that with the pregnant ladies as well so um i'm doing a bit of prenatal and postnatal training as well and um the girls that come to us and say you know the doctor said that they should not train um there are now 32 weeks and now they want to start training at 32 yeah. weeks because they feel they need that but it's horrible when, when i get in some situations you have to you have to rest and i get that 100 percent but uh, Exercise is so good. Moving is so good, and all the girls that train with us as well—they feel amazing, they feel absolutely amazing after the sessions.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. So you do. Well, you, you, you train for three hours a day. You have all your clients, and you do pre and postnatal. What else? What else have you got going on? How else does your week look?
1: I've got a husband at home. Oh jeez, <laughs> oh, God, the <they're> worst. bit.
0: <laughs> no wonder you work so much.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah no, that's pretty, that's that's my that's my
0: weeks.
2: And how do you anticipate all that changing if you do get into, like, the World Champs? Like, obviously, we don't want to, you know, freak your employers out, but would you see yourself going full-time into triathlon and things like that?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know if I will ever be able to do full-time. I think I'll get bored. Yeah. Um, Training, doing nothing, training, doing nothing, because I, f- I feel like you kind of need a bit of stimulation as well. So I'll always be working some kind. I'll always have a few clients or a few... P T clients or do something um just to stay stimulated. But um yeah, it's 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 gonna be interesting to see how my training is gonna change now leading up to that and um how my hours is going to look like so
0: what does a week look like for training like you wake up on sunday what do you do and then how does it work all the way through you got your long run or a cycle on a friday
1: so um, f- um sundays is usually our recovery day so it will always it's called a regeneration set so it's always kind of like a 10 minute bike 10 minute run 10 minute bike 10 minute run for about 90 minutes um oh, sundays is always swim days um in the pool tuesday S- as
0: well oh monday okay
1: yes Tuesdays is team training for me. So we have a – my team is called Team T2A, Try to Aspire. Um, So every Tuesday morning, 5 a.m., you'll always see us at Nadal Shiba. Um, So that's team training. And there we try to simulate races. Um, Our team is extremely good. Um, Everyone in our team is, like, very, very quick um, world champs themselves in their age group. So we try to simulate races. Um, We'll compete against each other in that Tuesday morning set. Uh, Wednesdays is swim days again, Thursdays is usually a run day, um, whether it's outside or inside. Now with summer, it's treadmill training mainly, which sucks to do a 15 kilometer on a treadmill.
2: Have you ever tried running in the heat here? Uh,
1: yeah, I have. I made a point of it. Yeah, I have. Um, it's a bit difficult with our training because our training is quite scientific and it's very heart rate based. Yeah. So, um, we don't even... My coach doesn't usually give us distances to run. He tells us, for instance, to run for 60 minutes, but on heart rate, 60% or 70%. So then running in the heat, immediately your heart rate is much higher, 10 to 20 beats per minute higher than usual. So then it's not real accurate because then I have to almost walk to be on the heart rate that he said I must train at.
2: Yeah. But it's just with all the the research coming out now about like uh, heat therapy and things like that, or basically any exposure to any significant environmental stressor. So... Effectively being able to run at a short at a slower pace, but obviously with the heat yeah. taking that heart rate up the yes. rest of the way for you do you know yes. but, um, obviously, people use a lot of sauna sort of therapy now, and mm. there's a couple of papers out there where people have used like direct heat therapy on the muscle as a substitute to exercise oh. because you could then get some of the benefits just from the heat yes. alone right but i 've not seen too many people who have tried actually running or using heat as part of their main training block, like yeah. th- their main training load, as opposed to say teams just coming out here for acclimatization or yeah. for recovery sort of stuff. Yeah. So every time someone comes on, I just ask them, have you ever actually just tried and just, just seen, but
1: yeah, I, I have, but it's, it's difficult because we're so heart rate based. It, sure. it messes with the training session a bit. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, that was, that's Thursday. Friday is always a long ride. Um, so that's always like a 100 kilometer cycle or a 90 kilometer cycle or sometimes we do 50s but not really then it would be like super fast it's like game, game on for everyone um, and Saturdays are normally sea swims so that's when we get our sea swim in and that's my day and then we begin again on Sunday so yeah.
2: I'd hate swimming in the ocean I think like particularly when you see what was it it must have been the last Man. sharks here, no what was it <laughs> not just the sharks the but I remember what was it it was a big race not so long ago out here, and uh, I was down other. there, and I was. It was like 5 a.m., and it was like choppy seas, and I just saw everybody in their wetsuits. Like this sucks. Like Man, I'm probably. so sorry for you guys. Like I don't want to be doing this at all. You're but all yes. crazy though. They're yeah. all like yeah, masochists and.
0: They're all fighting each other and stuff in the water. Well, that's it yeah. as well—like grabbing each, on each on other and drowning and each well. other, and yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna drown you if you don't drown me. But then, like it's like salt water—like oh, nah, nah, nah.
1: Yeah, nah, it's nah. messy. Like the one day I was swimming. So you're not an
0: man. Iron Man, man. Exactly, <laughs> <is> exactly. It. <laughs>
1: The one day I was swimming and there was just this massive jellyfish oh, yeah, right under me. Luckily, I had my, my wetsuit on, so it, I didn't feel anything. But it's quite gross. Like, you see all the, the stuff in the ocean. You oh, I've get been stung by so many top.
2: jellyfish over the years. I hate them.
1: Oh, yeah. I've been stung a few times as well. And then you just, like, uh, you just swim and then all of a sudden you just, ow, yeah, ow. something sounds like really? face. Oh. Yeah. face. Yeah.
0: Well, growing up in South Africa, you must be like, right, the sharks hit there. In Dubai, there's no sharks. So we're safe. So yeah, like but you fine. know
1: what like as you get older you get more scared like I was never scared of the ocean ever I always swam the deepest and I was never scared of sharks never scared of anything now I am extremely scared like I don't want to go yeah. back to South Africa watch too many the sea. National
2: Geographic exactly. documentaries that's the problem
1: exactly <laughs> and
2: I start seeing what's actually out there and what they can do and you're like oh yeah. fuck this no, the sea's no, no, no. also very salty here I don't very, know yeah, like, it so much,
0: feels much saltier here than anywhere else
1: yeah which makes it great for us because you're more buoyant so oh really yeah yeah
0: Nah. no excuse then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. where are you doing your qualifications are you going back to South Africa to do it yeah, yeah. you looking forward to it
1: yeah I am I'm, um, just wanna, I just want to I want to get there now like I, I'm so bleak that I missed this year yeah. I really like the teams it's in Gold Coast Australia they're um, world, world right. champs this year so it's, uh, it's going to be a nice one so I'm missing out but oh well
0: what else have you got coming up like what, what, what's happening for you over the summer and the future
1: um nothing much over the summer we're just training my husband and i actually want to we kind of set this goal he's he recently started doing triathlon as well i think the me waking up 4 a.m in the mornings over weekends killed him um anyway so we try we kind of said that we're gonna, we we want to do a half iron man all around the world and do that as a holiday so the first one we're going to do is in um laguna beach in thailand sweet um, yeah so we're going there in November 18th of November it's a race there so currently training for that um, otherwise yeah, not much going on with life
2: yeah that's the, uh, that's the thing about competition and training suddenly everything else gets put on hold so yeah. I spent a lot of time working with teams uh, in the British Olympic squads. And people were always like, oh, man, it must be cool just to be able to train all day. And it's like, man, no, it sucks. Like, it's not yeah. a glamorous lifestyle at all.
1: No, my um, husband was an ex-professional rugby player as well. Right. So that's what he did for a living. And training six times a day, I always thought, oh, no, that's, that's nice. You're with the boys, you know, training, um, It's It's good life. You're living with them as well. They were so tired and they had yeah. to like force feed themselves to try and get to the certain weight they have to be. And their the bodies just took so much shots. So or yeah.
2: well, constant pressure as well of trying to make the team. Right? Exactly. Like it never lets up.
1: Exactly. And and you you think that you're special, but I think it's the case in, in, in any sports team. You think that you're special and you have something. But as soon as you get an injury, it's it's kind of like a... Thank you for your service. I'm going to replace you, and they replace you with someone else, and their life goes on. Yeah. Um. So it's that pressure yeah, as well.
0: Yeah. So I, I I witnessed that an extreme versus that with the military. Yeah. Guys, just like doing their best to go trained up, go to war, come back broken. They got a good bit of care and support in the first sort of twelve months of the, some of their rehabs. But if they're not getting better after twelve months, it's like okay, you can't walk. You're no good to us. You're out. Exactly. We'll get a 16-year-old, fresh off the, off the production line, who can go to war. You can't, so you're no good to us.
1: Exactly. Thank it's, you. Bye it's bye. Sad.
0: Yeah, it's, it's terrible. That's the, but that's the risk that you, you sort of know going in. I mean, you don't really know the implications of it, yeah. but I think on a sports team, I would rather be in a rugby team than on a solo event
2: for sure. Yeah. I'd rather be, you get paid, right? <laughs> huh? Well, I mean that's part of it. Like at least a footballer and a rugby player, you get paid some decent cash. It's like okay, exactly. even if I've got a couple of years, I've made a few million. Yeah, obviously the big time. But it's yeah. a,
1: it's it's also then what do you do after that? Because the guys retire when they're thirty six.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: What head do you injuries, do? You retired. You're injuries, full yeah. of injuries. Yeah. You did, Maybe well, I hope you make some investments.
1: You know, exactly. Get some real estate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you're making all your money at the wrong time of your life. You're making the money when you. are Free, single. You're and supposed careless. to
1: build experience as well, because then you're 36 years old and you need to start working at a company, but you have zero years of experience. So,
0: well,
2: that's why they become pundits, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like just easier <laughs> shit. I just need to get into some sort of uh, job here. Uh, exactly, pundits or just uh, do appearances and stuff. See, Stephen Gerrard was at Barasti the other day for the Liverpool game. He was just there, oh, shaking yeah. hands and all this it's sort John of stuff. Aldridge was, paid for John Aldridge was was there as well. Uh, yeah, was nice. old, Player for Liverpool. Yeah, you gotta get famous.
0: Um, so, where can people hook up with you online, or where can they see your, your stuff? You got I try.
1: Um, yeah, so um, I've got a website and my Instagram is why I try. So basically, my my reasoning behind that is uh, because I needed a reason for training. I wanted to. I wanted people to see my my whole journey of triathlon, the good and the bad, the training sessions that are good and the injuries that come with that, the tiredness that comes with that, the waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning because it's not all all glamorous and I wanted I wanted people to take the step to take this journey with me the whole process of doing triathlon and everything about that but I also want people to find their wire for training um, whether that is for rehab whether it is to walk normally again or to be pain free or whether it is to lift two hundred kilograms whatever their reason is for training I want them to find that so um, I've got my my Instagram is is just Anya Talyat but basically I do my wire try stuff on there so it's just a Bunch of content of me training. How do you
2: spell Talyard thai- so Talyard It's thalyard. T-A-L. It's thalyard, Matt. Huh?
0: It's Talyard Oh, look at you. Well, yeah. Well, I didn't just I say That was amazing. Practice. How do
2: you spell it?
1: Um, so, my name is A-N-J-A and my surname is T-A-L-J-A-R-D.
2: Right. So, we'll put the details up. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, so that's <laughs> that.
0: Okay, well, cool. I know you're under pressure for time, so thanks for coming to talk to us. We'll let you go. Cheers, guys. And we'll catch up with you again soon. Cheers.
1: Thank you.